It was like he was living life flying by the seat of his pants, and he would always make these crazy rush decisions in his business which were holding it back. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I share mindset, lifestyle, and business hacking tips, tools, and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses, and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professional athletes. Driven Mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. For those of you who don't know who I am, I am Michael Mojo, the founder of Mojo Human Performance Institute, where we focus on business, mindset, and lifestyle hacking for driven mofos. And the reason why I do these episodes is most people waste their life and I just don't want you to be one of them. All right, let's talk about high-functioning anxiety and what that looks like and why most business owners that I come across who are very reactive probably have it, but how you can deal with it and work through it. Well, you know what, you can go do whatever you want, but I think that there are a lot of people out there who function really, really well with it, but at the same time, providing they can control it. Now, I know I used to be like this where I would have this anxious energy all the time. My energy came from this anxiousness and it was like there was always way too much to do. Like I would plan my day with a thousand things. And even if I got five things done that day, I would still be frustrated and pissed off and I wouldn't be able to sit still because I'm like, shit, I got so much to do, so much to do, so much to do. That can be like almost a high functioning anxiety that a lot of people have. And they use it as a tool to keep themselves motivated and driven. Now there's a few little problems with that. When you use your high functioning anxiety or just the anxiety in general as a way of getting stuff done, normally what you'll do is you'll jack up a hormone called adrenaline. There are a heap of other hormones as well, but essentially it's a stress hormone. And you're using that hormone to give you energy. It almost like gives you an energy boost in a way, I guess you could say. Now, there's probably, if there's an endocrinologist here listening in, you're probably probably gonna think that I'm gonna butcher this, but I I just wanna keep this as simple as possible. So what normally happens is someone who has that crazy anxiety will wake up in the morning and they bounce out of bed and they're like, shit, I've got so much to do, so much to do. And so then they'll go flat out all day. Now, if you're a business owner, you'll see things and you're like, that's a problem, that's a problem. We've gotta change that, we've gotta do this. Oh no, there's not a, the T's not crossed in, in this email and oh. And so you start to become, really reactive to a lot of things in your business. Now, some people just really reactive to a lot of things in life. I see that there are a lot of people who also have jobs who are like it, where they'll get up in the morning and it's like, oh, I've got to do the washing. I've got to do this. I've got to get this done. Then I've got to do this. And you watch them and they're just like super reactive all the time. So you could say that that is using anxiety as a way of driving up adrenaline. Now, when we look at adrenaline, adrenaline is a hormone that's used for a few different reasons. So one, it gives us a bit of an, I guess you could say it's a bit of an energy booster. But another thing that it does, which is really important, important to understand is that it sort of suppresses pain or it mitigates pain in some way. So I'll give you an example. If you cut your finger with a piece of paper, it really hurts because it's not enough to trigger in most cases an adrenaline response. But if you cut your hand really, really bad or you cut yourself really badly, normally adrenaline will kick in and it suppresses the pain response. So a lot of people use this adrenaline response to deal with the pain that they haven't dealt with from past experiences that they haven't worked through yet. And so it might be that they were a kid and they were picked on for being lazy or that they were a kid who was picked on and told you wouldn't get anywhere in life. And in fact, I've actually worked with a lot of business owners over the years who were like this. And some of them come to our events where they know that they're the, the one thing that's stopping themselves from progressing in business because they run off of that reactive energy all the time and they change things consistently. So their team are unsure. Normally when a team are uncertain and, and, and unsure, they normally decrease productivity. And when they increase productivity, they tend to fuck up things more, which then triggers the business owner more to think that their team are useless and can't do anything. I know this because I used to go through it. And so it normally isn't something that benefits someone for a lot for the long term. Now for the short term, does it work? Yes. Does it, do we get benefits from it? Yes. So for someone who, let's say they have a lot of fears and a lot of worries and a lot of concerns, which most people who run off of that anxious energy do have, they will use adrenaline as a way of suppressing those 
thoughts. So like I said, adrenaline is a pain suppressor. So if you've got a lot of painful thoughts, like I'm not good enough, I'm shit, I'm not achieving what I want, I'm not getting anywhere in life, those thoughts, if you use that over and over and over again, it will trigger the adrenaline in order to use that as a pain suppressant in a way so that then you can function. Now, is it a good tool? Yeah, it works. It will get you driven, but there's a few problems with it. And the problem is you'll be consistently erratic. You won't stay focused for a long period of time. You really, really struggle with doing productive things if you're a business owner or productive things that take time because you'll be bouncing around and jumping around wanting to do like 50 things at once. So you won't be able to sit down behind a computer and do the boring work. And it's the boring work that normally creates growth in a business as it scales. So putting in processes, putting in systems, checking data, all of those things help a business to scale. Now, there are a lot of business owners out there who are quite good and quite adaptable at problem solving, but they're just not good at implementing anything because they run off of that anxious energy and they don't know how to control it. Whereas when I learned how to control it, which we'll talk about today, when I learned a whole bunch of things that helped me to balance all of myself out, what it did was it allowed me to really focus on the boring work, which has allowed the, the business to grow and also to create a lot more stability with the team and a lot more stability in the business. Now, I didn't realize that this was a thing. Like I didn't realize it, it was only probably about a year ago. I was just you know studying uh, for another client. I was looking at, I guess you could say different thoughts around anxiety because I'm really interested in like why things get triggered, how things work. And this is a lot of the courses, like I go into the advanced neuroscience of this stuff in some of the more advanced courses. So I was looking into it and there's no real, like there's no real way of understanding anxiety. It's just like, it's it can be described from a psychological point of view and biology, yeah, it's got an increase of adrenaline, stress hormones are up, but what's the difference between being anxious versus being stressed? And what's the difference between being fearful versus being anxious? So I was, I was looking into this stuff and I was reading a lot of the symptoms and I went, shit, that's me. I've got this like crazy high functioning anxiety where I can jump around and bounce around between things and I'm really adaptable in chaos and I'm really good in, you know, these tough situations. You know, I just found that most people weren't like that. Like I, if you put me in a tough situation, I'll figure it out. And I'm, I'm really, really calm when, when everything's falling apart, I'm really, really calm. But when everything's going well and everything's just cruising, I'm like, the, the most chaotic person ever because I'm always trying to do something new, do something different. Like, come on, we got to do stuff. And so I couldn't figure it out. And I never really thought about it until I started reading all these articles. And I was like, shit, that sounds like me. When I looked looked at it, I went, why am I like this? And I went back and I thought, well, a lot of these are triggers in my past that I haven't worked through. So I went back through because I've got all the tools to do it. I went back through and I worked on all those triggers. And so that helped me a lot. Then there were other things that happened where I started getting more, more and more clients where I started noticing it. You know, these business owners who are trying to grow a business, but at the same time, like they've got ineffective teams. They're consistently trying to change things. They're chasing new projects and, and new stuff all the time. They never really follow through long-term on projects. A lot of them are trying to create like a fifth and a sixth and a seventh business. And they're always trying to chase these new opportunities or these new ways of making money and creates a lot of chaos around them. They don't even realize it. So anyway, what I started to do was I started to think about what drives volatilities in a person's life because I was just trying to figure out how do I calm myself down? Because I knew that I was the biggest problem in our company. And I also knew that I was a solution. And I also knew that I had all these skills, all these tools, everything. But I really wanted to try and get on top of how do I stay calm and focus for a long period of time without being erratic. But I guess, you know, when I say these words, I don't want everyone to go, well, you know, Mojo's erratic because it's not that I'm I'm erratic compared to most people. It's just, I feel erratic because I'm not focused for a long sustained period of time. Like I can't just work in front of a computer for a whole day straight or I couldn't, whereas now I'm, I'm fine with it. So anyway, I went back, I had a look at all these fears and concerns that I had that I, maybe I hadn't worked through. So I went back over them, balanced them all out. Then what I did was I looked at all the other things in my life that were creating peaks and troughs, these imbalances. And I guess the reason why I'm talking about this was I was working with a client uh, only a couple of days ago and he came in and he said, you know, Michael, I'm fasting. And now here's someone who probably has 
high, really high level uh, functioning anxiety, really big business owner as well. We're talking, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, pushes really, really hard, works really, really hard, great entrepreneurial person, great connector, but at the same time, just can't sit still, keeps changing his mind, keeps like, you know, putting all this pressure on the team, you know, keeps trying to open up all these new businesses and do all these business ventures and feel shitty if he can't take these opportunities to do new things. And so I sat down with him and I said, why are you fasting? And he said, well, because it helps me clear out all the, all the shit from my body. And I said to him, why do you need to clear all the shit from your body? And he said, well, you know, there's just all these toxins in our life. And I said, bullshit, that's not why you're doing it. Anyway, <clears throat> I held him accountable to it. He ended up saying, well, you know what? It, it's because, you know, I, I do have a little bit to drink and I do eat a bit of shitty food. And I said, so you're feeling guilty. The reason why you're fasting is because you feel guilty based on the food choices that you're making and because of the lifestyle choices that you're making. So then you fast to try to compensate for your guilt. Now, once he realized, this. He was like, oh yeah, shit. And I said, here's the thing. If you're worried about getting rid of shit out of your body, then you need to be worried about putting shit in your body. So if instead of fasting, just don't drink. Cut alcohol out. Like just stop drinking. Now, some people say that that's easier said than done. Maybe, but maybe it's not that hard. I just, I stopped and, um, you know, I went out the other day and everyone was drinking and I just chose not to drink. And it's not because I'm boring. I actually find I'm, I enjoy things way more when I don't drink. I never used to. I used to drink all the time. I used to drink five nights a week, but now I just don't drink anymore because I find that based on my mission in life, based on the way I feel about myself, based on how mentally alert I am, all of those things, it's just not worth it for me. Now, I will have a drink every now and again. I had a glass of wine a couple of weeks ago when I was with, after our Triumph event, which is our leadership event. I went out for dinner with all the attendees and I sat down and had a glass of wine with them. To be honest, I think I drank about half a glass and then I just, I can't even remember whether I finished the rest or not. I think I just left it on the table because I just didn't really enjoy it. I just don't enjoy that feeling anymore. Coffee, on the other hand, different thing. Now, I might give that up eventually. I don't, I just don't know. I'm, for me these days, I would rather feel good for a longer period than feel good in the moment and then feel like shit afterwards, which alcohol normally does. So anyway, my point was that I said to him, just don't put shit in your body. And so we spoke about it and I said, and food as well, if you're fasting because you feel like you're putting on weight, then you've got to look at why you're putting on weight. Because I went through this as well. And I go through these stages where I work super hard in our business and I just then start eating whatever I can because I've got too much shit on and I don't food prep or all of that sort of stuff. And so it leads to these bad choices, which then you know makes me feel guilty. And then I wanted to fast. And so I said to him, do you feel like you're going through this? And he said, yeah, hundred percent I do. I said, good. So at least we're now here. We've admitted it. Now we know what's going on. Let's not fast. And he said, yeah, but Michael, there's all this evidence that fasting's good for us. And I said, yeah, but you've got to look at everything that's going on. I'm not saying that fasting isn't good. I'm just saying that when you look at what fasting does, when you're fasting, you're essentially changing your blood sugar levels. You're changing the way that your body functions. Now, when you do that and you're changing the way that your hormones operate and you're changing the way that you think because of those hormonal changes, what happens is it just reinforces volatilities. So anyone who's listening to this, I'm not saying that fasting is bad. I'm not saying that fasting is good. There's a time and a place for everything. You know, I'm not saying that alcohol is good or I'm not saying that alcohol is bad. It just depends. If you've got a big mission and and big goals and big dreams, and you want to go and achieve great stuff. The question is, does alcohol help you to achieve that or not? Or does it become a hindrance? Now, some things that helped us in the past don't help us in the future. For me, I used to use alcohol as a way of compensating for my lack of confidence. So when I was younger and I started going out in my 20s, I was a kid who was picked on all the time at school. So for me, I would get absolutely obliterated before I would go out. So all my mates would come around to our house. I lived in a bachelor pad with two other dudes. I worked on a party bus where we used to you know, do hens nights and 21st and 18th birthdays and my job was to essentially take people out and make them have a good night, which essentially means that I would get them obliterated. Okay. Back in the day, uh, I don't know whether you can do this anymore, but you know, I used to just get them so paralytic and I would end up absolute paralytic. The majority of the time I couldn't even remember getting home. And I would just almost have like a three day hangover afterwards, almost every weekend, but I would just go out and drink again the night after. 
to deal with the hangover. So, you know, it's all about the right time, the right place. So I said to him, at the moment, you've got this crazy high functioning anxiety. You're making erratic decisions in your business. You're always trying to chase things. It's like you're a fucking greyhound trying to chase rabbits and they're all running in different directions. And so you're like chasing everything. So what's happening is you've got these mental and emotional volatilities. That's what it is, right? Let's call it what it is. And it's, you've got these mental and emotional volatilities and you can label it as anxiety, high functioning anxiety, whatever you want to label it as. And I don't really care. But the thing is that are those volatilities helping you to get what you want. And he said, well, no, not not really because it puts the staff under pressure. And they always say to me like, keep calm, tell us exactly what you want. We'll map it out. We'll plan it out. But then you come along and you change your mind consistently, which then puts pressure on the team and they're freaking out because they like certainty and they like consistency. Yet here you are coming along, chasing all these opportunities and it, it makes everyone feel uncertain. And so he said, yeah, I agree with that. So I said, what we can do is you can do what most people do. And then they go, I've got this high functioning anxiety and they go take medication. But most of the medication, if not all the medication around anxiety and depression is essentially a numbing agent. So when you're numb, what it does is it takes off the high highs, but it also takes off the low lows. So it chops the top and the bottom out of your peaks and troughs. So it essentially numbs you. Now, does that mean that you're going to live a great life? Maybe like if you're someone who is highly volatile and you do crazy shit when you're depressed or when you're anxious, then yeah, it, it will help because it will push the peaks and the troughs closer together. And so you still have peaks and troughs, but they'll be a lot more stable. You know, is medicating a good thing or a bad thing? It's neither. It depends on the time and the place. Is it the solution to a long-term problem? Not really, because you don't have a lack of drugs. It's not a lack of drugs problem. It's that there are other things that are going on. And normally most thought processes and most hormonal responses are driven from perception. Now, most people in the field of human behavior and psychology don't even know that. Like they don't even know that it's the perception that drives hormonal responses in the body in most cases. Now, after a while, those hormonal responses start driving the brain and then it becomes a huge feedback loop. But if you change people's perceptions, you can change their hormonal responses, especially around stress. And I've been showing this for the last seven years in our Thrive Time event and going through this. This is why you know, we do have medical doctors and stuff come along and, and people who work in psychology and psychiatry and things like that coming along to this event because they sit there and they go, holy shit, now I'm teaching this to the general public as well. And so for a lot of people, they start to regain their power and they regain their mindset and they regain the things that get them the best results in life, hence why I teach it. And it's not super complicated. It's like explain it in an easy way. But anyway, so I'm talking to this client and I said, look, it's not that this stuff that you've got now hasn't helped you to achieve great things in your life. But the problem is now you've got mental volatilities that are driving emotional volatilities, which are driving hormonal volatilities. And so now you've got this volatile way that you live. And so a lot of your decision-making skills in your business are volatile because of that reason. So my question is, is fasting making you more stable or is fasting making you more volatile? Because now we're changing things like blood sugar levels. We're changing hormonal responses. And you're essentially going through these stages where, yeah, I'm eating really, really healthy. Then I'm going out and I'm having this huge shitty meal. Then I'm drinking all this alcohol. Then I wake up the next morning and I feel like shit. And then now I'm fasting mid-morning and I'm not eating until lunch and then the day after I'm going out for lunch and then I'm overeating again and then at nighttime I'm having alcohol. So all that's happening is you're just driving these fucking volatilities in your own life, which are then driving your mental and emotional volatilities or reinforcing the mental and emotional volatilities. And it's creating this crazy feedback loop. So I said, the thing that helped me so much to change this in my own life was to look at how do I become more stable in everything that I do? The first thing that I looked at was what can I change externally that will change how I think internally? Because sometimes it's harder to change internal stuff without the right tools, it's easier to change external things first. Now, maybe that's not true as well because sometimes it is also true that you won't change the external stuff until you change the internal stuff. So they, they sort of reinforce each other. But I said to him, look, let's work on changing the, the external stuff because I'm working on the internal
internal, let's work on the external. So I said, here's what you wanna do. First of all, we wanna stabilize your circadian rhythms. So there's this rhythm of day and night that the body has, it's a hormonal cycle. So what we wanna do is we wanna make sure that we're going to, the, to bed at the same time every night. Because if you go to bed, let's say at nine o'clock every night and you fall asleep by 10, and then you wake up at six or seven o'clock in the morning, what will happen is over a couple of weeks, that cycle will get back into balance. Now, when that cycle is in balance, it means then normally your eating patterns will start to become in ba back into balance. And so you'll be able to eat a regular time. So for me personally, I eat normally at the same times every day because what it does is it keeps your hormonal cycles in balance. When people eat in erratic cycles, normally what will happen is it will change your hormonal responses and they'll become a little bit more erratic. Is that always the case? No, but for a lot of people in our society, if you're eating one day at 6 a.m. in the morning, eight o'clock the next morning, 10 a.m., then you're fasting the following day, your body's trying to figure out how the hell it manages your digestive enzymes, how it manages your hormonal responses to food. It's erratic. And then if you go to bed at midnight one night and then three o'clock in the morning the next night and then you know nine o'clock because you're tired and you're burnt out, your body's thinking, what the fuck is going on here? Like, I don't know what to do here. So what I said was the first thing we want to do is get your sleeping patterns back into balance. So we want to go to bed at the same time every night, whether you fall asleep or not. And you don't have to do this forever. You just want it to become a pattern where you can go for a short period of time where everything's erratic and, and whatever. Like when I travel internationally, that's what happens. But I try to go to bed at the same time every night because I never used to. And it's only been something that I've been really focused on over the last month or two. And it has made a big difference. I guess there are, there are times as well, like I'm a, I'm a business owner. So I do have you know nights where I need to stay up a bit later or I wake up early because of things that I've got to get done or that I choose to get done. But I tend to go just back to a, a normal sleeping pattern again and a normal eating pattern pretty quickly. So anyway, I said, first thing we want to do is get your sleeping patterns in balance. Then the second thing we want to do is to make sure you're eating at the same time every day. Now, whether you have snacks or no snacks or whatever, it doesn't really matter. You just want to get in the habit of eating at the same time. Now, over time, yes, we want to make sure that you're not overeating. Like if you're going to eat six times a day, you want to make sure that you're not overeating and you're consuming too many calories or else then you're going to put on weight. Doesn't really matter whether you eat three times a day. At the end of the day, the latest research is showing that if you're eating, providing you're staying under your calories, you shouldn't be putting on weight. And it really comes down to calorie control. So if you're fasting, it makes no real difference to your body fat or no body fat. You can, If you're going to eat 3,000 calories a day and that's what you need to eat, then let's just say, and that's an example, by the way, don't go out and eat 3,000 calories because if you're 59 kilos, you're probably going to end up pretty fat. But let's just say you need to eat 3,000 calories a day. Your body doesn't care whether those 3,000 calories come from eating one 3000 calorie meal at nighttime or whether it comes over a period of the whole day and six meals. It's just that if you're eating on this regular cycle, it means that you, your blood sugars are a lot more stable. So some people prefer to eat six times a day. Some people prefer to eat three times a day, but it doesn't really matter providing you don't blow out your calories. So anyway, so Dwayne, what we want to do is we want to get your eating patterns at the same time every day, whether it's like 8 a.m., 1 p.m., 7 p.m., maybe a snack at three o'clock in the afternoon. And you just do that and you try and consume the, around about the same foods every day or the same portion size or the same amount of calories, even better. So now we've got our sleeping patterns in balance. We have our eating patterns back in balance. Also, I said to him, you want to exercise first thing in the morning. So if you can't wake up and in the first couple of hours, go on exercise. Don't leave it until the afternoon because that'll sometimes it can fuck up your sleeping patterns. So we want to get up, exercise, get movement happening, especially if it's high intensity, because what it will do is it'll again, help to reset the body clock. There's a lot of evidence now that's coming out to show that first thing in the morning, we want to see sunlight and we want to see direct sunlight, which means go outside for depending on whether it's there's a lot of cloud cover or not. But let's just say anywhere between 15 to 30 minutes of sunlight coming in your eyes because it helps. And this is without sunglasses on or whatever, because the way that your receptors in your eyes work, it'll help you to wake up in the morning. And so what it does is it helps to keep that body clock running in sync with the sun and the lunar cycles or the moon cycles. So get up, get some sunlight first thing in the morning, go to the gym or 
exercise or even go on to the gym and exercise first thing in the morning and then get some sunlight. Either way, what it does is you're promoting the wake up cycle first thing in the morning. Then what will happen is later in the afternoon, you'll start to click over into the sleep cycle where melatonin increases, which is another hormone. It's our sleep hormone. And then our body clock starts running a bit more naturally. Our hormonal cycles start running a little bit more naturally, which then means that we can stabilize our mindset a lot easier than having these crazy volatilities. Now, what then throws out that body clock and what also creates volatilities? If we look at it, normally things like poor sleeping habits or poor sleeping patterns, they can throw us out. Like you'll know that if you have a couple of days of really shitty sleep, your mindset is hard to manage. It's just because you're tired, right? So we, we, we want to decrease the chances of us being tired and lethargic and burnt out and not getting good deep sleep and good REM sleep. So we can do that by resetting that body clock and creating good sleep hygiene. Then the next thing is alcohol and sugar. Alcohol essentially is a toxin. Is it bad? Is it good? I don't really know. Different people respond to it in different ways. Some people say, well, you know, I drink beer every night and I feel fine. That might be true, but alcohol is still a toxin. So what it does is it puts more pressure on your liver. Now, I'm not going to go into the different types of stress and all that, but if you're someone who has a pretty calm life, you eat reasonably well and you drink alcohol all the time, is it going to be that bad for you? Probably not. If you're highly stressed and you're eating shitty food and you're on the run all the time, your sleeping patterns are crappy and you're having alcohol, is that going to be a problem? Probably, because it's a stress load. So it's a whole load of your whole life. A lot of people when they're highly mentally and emotionally stressed and not getting good sleep, they'll drink alcohol because they say it calms me. But what it does is it calms your mental stress. But what it does is it changes your physiological stress because now your body has to work harder to get rid of the toxin of alcohol out of your system. Also, because there's a lot of sugar in most alcohol, it will spike up your insulin levels and all this sort of stuff. And so what it can do is it just makes your body work harder to clear it out. Now, like I said, if you've got low overall stress load, that's not gonna be a problem. And some people will live till they're 100 and they drink alcohol every morning for breakfast. Like they'll have a scotch for breakfast. Maybe that's because they have a low overall stress load. But if you're someone who's like me, who's super driven, wants to achieve a lot, you know, you push your body hard in the gym, you've got a lot of physiological stress. You've got a lot of mental stress. I can travel quite a lot as well, which then means that I can have a lot of chemical stress and electromagnetic stress. So there's a lot of other different types of stresses that most people aren't aware of. And eventually it will just overload you and smash you into the ground with either sickness or some form of a disease or something like that. Cause your body's just saying like, fuck enough's enough. Like I can't keep coping with all of these stresses that you're putting on my body. There's a difference between distress and you stress. You stress is good stress versus distress is bad stress. And it's a very fine line for driven people between what is good stress versus when it kicks over to not so beneficial stress, I guess you could say. So anyway, these are some of the tips that I gave him. Coming back to it, alcohol can throw out that system. High amounts of sugar can throw out the system, especially later on in the afternoon. If you're having sugar before you go to bed, you might not be sleeping that well. And I would recommend wearing a sleep tracker and testing this stuff out. Eating before you go to bed. So if you eat late at nighttime and then go to bed, that definitely changes your deep sleeping patterns. So you might sleep for eight hours, but that doesn't mean that you're rested. So you wake up feeling groggy and tired um, because you can't breathe properly. When you eat and then go to sleep and you're lying, you're lying on your back or on your side, your stomach pushes up into your diaphragm and it stops you from breathing properly. And when that happens, you can wake up feeling really groggy and really lethargic. Also, your body has to go into a digestive mode instead of a let's heal your body mode. So those things can happen. So it's just little things like this that if you make small tweaks over time, it can deal with those volatilities that a person has and can stabilize them a lot more as a person. And so what I suggested is just stop fasting. Let's get your sleeping patterns back into balance. You know, if you want, take out some alcohol. Like let's let's be a little bit more self-aware about our alcohol consumption and our food consumption and try and create a lot more stability in your life on a daily basis 
and see what happens to your mental and emotional volatilities and see if you become a lot more stable as a person. If you have a look at the greatest business leaders on the planet, they're normally quite stable people and they'll be able to handle stress well, they'll be able to think through things well. They will be the calming force in their business, not the erratic motherfucker that tries to change everything and picks on all the little things that are going on and deals with like 40 million frustrations every day because that's a common thing that I see in a lot of business owners who come to our business odyssey, which is our, our business growth odyssey events, which is like a 12 month program to help businesses create more operational freedom in their business and to help them free themselves from the traps of being needed all the time in their business. So anyway, a lot of them have that high functioning anxiety where they're just running around all the time like off tap and they're always trying to change everything, you know, and they get frustrated at the smallest, dumbest shit that doesn't really matter. And it's not the core problem they're really focused on solving in their business. They solve all these little problems because it makes them feel like they're really productive and they need this adrenaline like, fuck, everything's going to fall apart when really nothing's really that bad in their business. It's just that they keep creating more chaos. And the biggest problem that their business has is normally them. So um, yeah, that's there's some of my tips. I hope that helps Driven Mofos. If you haven't already done so, please remember to jump across to our No BS Business Hacks Facebook group. I've been sharing stuff every day. Every month, we've got a topic of the month and I'm helping business owners to get in there and to, to give them tips and tools and different advice that can help them to grow their business. This month has been quite a lot around uh, hiring and HR. A lot of people I hear a lot of the time, you know, I can't find good staff. People only care about money. All of those sort of things that stops people from hiring good people in their business. Now, I don't agree with a lot of those things. It's just that there's things that they haven't done in their business. And so I'm putting a lot of tips and tools and templates and everything in the Facebook group. So please jump across. All you need to do is go to the search bar, type in no BS business hacks, and you'll see the page come up. Just join it. It's free. There are some questions there when you join up. What it does is allows us to be able to help you with the content that we're, we're doing and the monthly challenges. Every month we have a challenge of the month as well, which is keeping business owners accountable to their own growth in their business and implementing this stuff. So yeah, we just want to help business owners to really grow the business. I really believe that we're coming up to some tough economic times and some tough financial times. And there are going to be a lot of businesses that don't last and don't make it. But I also believe that business is the backbone of this country and most countries around the world. And if business owners aren't supported or people who work hard in businesses, then what do we have as a country? What do we have as a community? We need business owners and we need great business owners who are growing businesses to create jobs and employment and taxation and all those sort of things to make sure that we can live in a great country and also the other great countries around the world can keep growing. So I really believe that business owners and, and people who work hard in businesses, the leaders and managers and all those types of people are the backbone of a country. And so I just wanted to be able to help more business owners really get out there and grow their business. Also, there have been so many times that myself and my wife, Jess, have been through so many really bad times in business where, you know, I didn't even know whether we'd make it through or not. Or, you know, just at nighttime, watching Jess go to bed, crying her eyes out and going, I can't do this because we just didn't have the support that now we're able to give others. And so I don't want any business owner to ever go through what we've had to go through to build our business and to make sure that business owners are getting the support and the things that they need, not only for their business to grow, but also for them to grow as well. Like what's the point of having a business if you have a shitty life? What's the point of having a business if your mindset is erratic and you need alcohol and drugs or a shit ton of different medications in order to numb yourself to the fact that you can't control your mental and emotional states and that you know there's stuff going on that you haven't worked through and dealt with. I want to be able to give those people tools to be able to enjoy life. You know, we're, we're here to live a an amazing life in a very short period of time compared to you know most other things that go on in the universe somewhere. So I just want to be able to help. So please, if you haven't done so, jump across to our Facebook group, which is the No BS Business Hacks for Driven Mofos. If you just type in Driven Mofo Business Hacks, you'll see the group come up and please share it with your friends as well. Invite them along. You know, I'm not doing it for 
for any crazy reason. There's no cost associated with it. You know, hopefully I can do a great job in there where you get to learn some stuff. And eventually, if you're a business owner, I'll see you at our business odyssey, a business growth odyssey, where you actually get to hang out and network with some of the greatest performers and achievers and other business owners that want to grow and learn and be the best that they can be, not only just in business, but in life in general. Hopefully I can provide enough value in that group where, you know, you'll come along and, and become part of our really inner business community. So that's why I do that stuff. And also, if you're just someone who wants to improve your mindset as well, please jump across to my Facebook and social media pages because I'm always sharing content on there as well. Um, but anyway, Driven Mofos, hope this helps. Please shoot me a message on any of my social media platforms, Michael Mojo double zero on all social media platforms, apart from Instagram. Just need to change around the zeros and the O's because some asshole hacked my account and I can't get that thread back. But if you just change the zeros and the O's around, you'll see my account. Or if you just type in Michael Mojo on Instagram, it'll pop up. Anyway, I'd love to hear from you. Is this something that you've gone through? Have you had that high functioning anxiety or do you have that high functioning anxiety? Is it something that you're in a consistent battle with? Because I would love to hear from you. So many people that I know and so many business owners go through it. Hence why I want to share this because I think that, you know, first of all, we need to normalize it and, and realize that it's a normal thing that a lot of business owners have. A lot of people have it in our society, in fact, but at the same time, give them the tools to be able to figure out why it happens, but then also how do we work through it so that then it doesn't keep happening um, and doing it without a way of just numbing yourself. Because if you're going to numb yourself from the emotional volatilities, you're also going to numb yourself from life in general. Um, that's my belief anyway. Anyway, Driven Mofos, I hope this helps. Please, if you can, remember to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And also remember to keep sharing with your friends and family and anyone else that you believe this stuff will help with. Anyway, Driven Mofos, have a great day. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. 